Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 46 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm well, man. Busy. There's a lot of people that are going to come over to my house today and help me pack up. Nope. We'll talk about that later. Sounds exciting. Yeah. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff happening, Matt. Okay, it's well a busy, then, uh, busy week. Now let's get right into it, Dave. Today we are watching <laughs> episode forty-six of Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. It's called "The Heroes Are Stark Naked." Uh, mm, but I do not believe you, Die Ranger. It's, <laughs> this it's is turning into a theme. It, it's figurative, titles. Dave. It's figurative. Uh, anyway, but before we get into that, <laughs> Dave. Shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? All right, Matt. First star of the week is Dave's Burgers. Like your Not burgers? Me, Dave. No, no, no. I fancy, Matt, that I make a pretty good hamburger. You make a I'm fine burger. I'm not going to lie. I like my hamburger recipe. I think it's good. But let me talk to you for a second about Dave's Burgers. This is a different Dave. All right? All right. So, <laughs> so right now... I live, like, two blocks down from Whole Foods, which is great. Because Whole Foods, in addition to, like, a grocery store, like many other grocery stores, they have a prepared food section, right? Sure. Whole Foods actually goes one step up. They actually have, like, a small lunch counter that you can go to, right? Right. So, Beth and I, is Beth my wife, which you know, of course, but... So Beth, my wife, and I were in Whole Foods the other day doing some quick shopping, and because we're so busy, we said, you know what, let's just... We didn't make anything for lunch. Let's just stop in at this lunch counter, and we'll have a quick bite to eat. We had... All the years we've lived here, we've never stopped in at this lunch counter. So we said, let's give it a shot. There's people there all the time. It's probably pretty good. Cool, right? Sure. So we sit down. And there's no waiters, it's just the cooks, and they kind of handle everything. So the one cook comes over, and he says, hey, how's it going? Blah, 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 what can I get you guys? And we said, well, you know, I don't, what's good? We've never eaten with you guys before. What's the deal? And he said, oh, well, you are in luck, because Dave is here today. And I said, okay. And he said, well, do you like hamburgers? And I said, yeah, I love a good hamburger. And he said... Let me get you the menu. So he comes over. There's like a standard menu, right? Right. So like there is just the food that you can get all the time. And then Dave only cooks burgers. That's all he does. Like he does not mess with anything else. And Dave has a special menu that like is Dave's menu. Does he print it up at home and bring it in? Yes. He printed (laughs) these menus. I don't know if he printed them at home, but... They, it does not look like a professional laminating job. I get the feeling that maybe Dave laminated these at home. So Dave has his own menu that only he cooks. <laughs> and so I asked the, the other cook, Alan, I was like, so Dave really likes hamburgers. And he said, I don't know. He's like, I don't know if there's a word to describe for you 
how into hamburgers Dave is. Like, this is a major focal point of Dave's existence. So, I ended up getting, a weirdly, I got a burrito, because Beth was there, and she got a burger. And it, it was a turkey burger, which I'm normally not, like, a huge fan of. It was maybe the best, one of the best hamburgers I've ever eaten. We went back three days later. Dave was there again. This time, we both got hamburgers. They were both also fantastic. So, <laughs> like, there's just a secret menu, and it's just Dave's menu. And you can only get it when Dave is there. Dude, if I was... That is amazing. Like, if I was a restaurateur, you know what I mean? Like, if I had the, I don't know, systems in place, I guess, whereby I know how to start a restaurant, I would be looking to hire Dave. Like, I would find Dave. You would want to be in the Dave's Burger business. Right. Like, I would give Dave his own restaurant solely on the strength of, like, those three hamburgers. They were fantastic. Like, next time you're over on this side of town, we'll pop over and see if Dave's there. Check if Dave's working. So, okay. So, Dave is the only one who cooks Dave's menu. Does Dave cook anything other than Dave's menu? No. Dave only cooks Dave's menu. So, Dave is employed by Whole Foods exclusively to, a couple of days a week, come in and make hamburgers? Well, I think he's there a lot. Okay, what I should say is Dave only makes hamburgers, and you can just order a hamburger with, like, whatever on it. If you're like, I want a burger with, like, you know, Swiss cheese and mushrooms or something, Dave will make that for you. But there isn't a Does he a resent menu. it? Yeah, I feel like he would. I mean, I didn't ask, but I feel like that's true. But, like, there's not a separate specialty menu. Like, there's not the regular burger menu and then Dave's menu. There is the build your own, and then there's Dave's menu. And that's the like, that's the only burger menu. That's amazing. But they're great. They're great. And I we were actually we were sitting there, Beth and I were finishing the burgers. And this was like, like two days ago. We were finishing the burgers, and I said, Dave needs to be a star on the podcast. And Beth said, Yeah, he does. Like you need to get the word out about Dave. So if you live in Cleveland, which I don't know, maybe you do, but if you live in Cleveland, get yourself over to the University Heights Whole Foods. And have a Dave's burger. They're delicious. Okay. That was a big, long commercial. Totally worth it. Uh, but Matt, what is our second star of the week? Okay, so we talked about this briefly a few weeks ago. But I have recently uh, reacquired Skyrim. And you, you told fool. me that what I needed to do was pick up the DLC. So I haven't gotten it all yet. I've only gotten Hearthfire. Which is the okay. DLC where you go and you build a house. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I know it. Yes. So here's how this works is it gives you the opportunity to build a house, but then you actually have to go, like, re- acquire the resources to do so. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. And so, like, I popped it on yesterday. I was like, oh, I'm going to buy myself a house. I'm going to, like, build it up, put shelves in it, you know, somewhere to put my books. It'll be great. Yeah, I, no, it is. It's really Because I need more bookshelves, uh, both in real life and in uh, computer life. Mm-hmm. Always. Always. I am perpetually running out of bookshelves. No, it's that is the problem with bookshelves. Because what happens is, if you have a bookshelf that isn't full, you continue to buy books until that bookshelf is full. But then yeah, you need no. to stop. Because if you don't stop, eventually you are going to pick up books here and there. 
and then realize, oh, well, now I just need another shelf to fit these, you know, 20 books that I have floating around. And then yeah, no, you I have don't. all of this space. It's just this book vacuum. Yeah, no, 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 I'm bad about that. That's my problem. And then you own another 50 books and uh, no one likes to help you move. Anyway. Oh, man. Yeah, now I need to buy, like, extra pizza for my upcoming move. I got a, I'm up to 22 boxes so far. Yeah, was Not up. done yet. Anyway, so, so Hearthfire, Matt. Oh, yeah. And let's, so, let's talk about some digital books. Now all that I'm doing in Skyrim, instead of wandering around and throwing fireballs at goblins, or, you know, Falmer or whatever, uh, yeah, is whatever that, that I am now just wandering around, like, mining clay and going to the general store to buy glass so I can build this stuff. <laughs> Like, all of the adventure in Skyrim has completely gone, and all that I'm doing is, like, just domestic stuff and trying to build myself a nice farm outside of it. <laughs> okay, first of all, that sort of weirdly parallels life. But second of all, I found it oddly, I found it very satisfying. Oh, no, I was doing it right before we started recording this. If we weren't recording, I would be doing it right now, and will be doing it in a, about an hour. So the other thing that I actually dig about the Hearthfire expansion, Matt, and and I actually didn't notice this the first time around because I was like running around doing stuff, but that it takes time to build your house. It's not a video game thing where you just say like, build house, and then you have the materials and it's instantly built. You have to say like, yes, build the house, and then you just have to come back like a month later, and then it's done. And what's- It's something like that. I don't know how long it takes, but it might not be a month. And what's weird is that now that I have a house, apparently, if you own that house, you can adopt children. Yeah. Yeah, you can. And so I haven't adopted any children, but now I'm just seeing weird things showing up in the general store. Like, you know, like a child's doll and like little kid clothing. (laughs) But it was really weird because I didn't make the connection initially. And, you know, I've played a lot of Skyrim. And so I was playing through this. Like, have I just never noticed that Delathor sells, like, creepy little dolls? Like, how (laughs) did this thing sneak its way into my game? (laughs) Well, he didn't sell them before. So you're not crazy, at least. But here's, okay, here's the best thing. Because when you, the reason those things are there, Matt, is so if you choose to adopt children, uh, and they're, just let me tell you, there is no, there is, there's no reason to do or not do that. Like, there's no quest that opens up. There's no, like, special thing. It is literally just, do you want to adopt to digital orphans? Okay. And you can do that if you feel like it. So, but the reason that you can buy that stuff, like dolls and wooden swords and stuff, is because when you, if you adopt children in the game, and you, you know, you leave on your adventures and then you come back, the kids will be excited to see you. And then, and they will ask sometimes, like, oh, you know, like, what did you bring me? Like, did you bring me any toys or whatever from your adventures? And I think the idea is that you would give them, like, a doll or a dress or a wooden sword or something. But, but that's not all you can give them. You can literally just give them, I think, anything out of your inventory, if okay. I recall correctly. So, one time, because I had adopted, like, a son and a daughter. So, one time, my son comes up and he says, hey, you know, Dad, did you bring me anything? And I I do, I felt bad because I hadn't, but I, I didn't have anything for him. So, I was like, here, have this dragon bone war axe that I made. <laughs> and the kid was like, oh, okay, thanks. Like, he was slightly disappointed, but he still took it. So... So he has a dragonborn 
Dragonborn? A Dragonbone War Axe now. The kids will also ask for pets, but like weird pets. I think one of my daughters had like a pet crab or something. Like a mud crab? Like the monster? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They had like a pet mud crab. That is very strange. Yeah, I don't know, man. Anyway. Yeah, the Hearthfire DLC is fun. That is is my life. I am just quarrying stone and digging up clay (laughs) so I can make walls. (laughs) Uh, Dave, speaking of... uh, building, packing, and tearing down houses. Uh, What is our third star of the week? Well, Matt, our third star of the week is that I am building, packing, and shortly to be tearing... Well, I'm not tearing it down. My house. So, like I said last week, uh, I'm moving. And so, this week, we are packing. We're just... We're packing up all of our stuff. Packing is a weird thing, dude. It's a very strange experience. And I find... It's like it gets stranger the older I get because I have more stuff. However, however, it's way better this time than it was last time we had to move. And here's the reason I feel like I'm a lot better at throwing junk away. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's the thing every time that I have to move, every time that I have to pack, I get like furious at past Matt because past Matt bought all of this crap that I don't need. You're like, why do I even own this? Like, why did you do this to me, Past Matt? You know that present Matt has a problem throwing things away. Just don't buy that junk. Right. Like, perhaps uh, an electric ice crusher from the 1960s. That might be the sort of thing. Sure. I think it was from the 50s. But, yes, I do absolutely own that. And I have a Labatt Blue neon bar sign. Oh, well, that's gold. You can't get rid of that. I know I can't get rid of it. Also, I can't put it anywhere because it's this giant <laughs> thing. So it's just sitting on a shelf in my room. I never turn it on. But yeah, so I, I've gotten a lot better at, at really objectively just li- and being like, I don't, I don't care. I don't want that. I don't need it. Our parents, this is brilliant, though. This is really, This is an idea I've stolen from mom and dad. I don't know if you remember, Matt, but down in the basement of mom and dad's place, when they lived at the house we grew up in, I don't know where this box is now, I would assume in storage, they, they have a box that is just, is literally is just labeled, stuff to keep until we die and then throw away. Yes, I, I know exactly the one you're talking about. And it's yeah, a bunch of it's like just, old, useless stuff that is just sentimental enough that they can't get rid of it. Yeah, and it's just, they're like, I don't even, like, they don't even want it, I don't think. They just can't throw it away. They're like, I just, I, can't, I just can't throw that away. And so they have that. And so Beth and I have adopted this strategy. We also are, there were, there's a handful of things we look at. We say, I really don't want that thing, but just, I can't, I can't get rid of it. But everything else, just throw it away. Just throw, dude, this is, I've just, Matt, this is true of like Facebook. It's true of moving. Like, just, just get rid of it. Just throw it away. Like, your life is going to be so, it's going to be so much better. <laughs> just get rid of it. Just unfriend that person. Just throw that bobble away. It doesn't matter. Like, you don't realize how great <laughs> everything is going to be. I'd say you just throw it away. Just throw it away. That's what I'm saying. Throw it away. Um, but no, we're, uh, we're moving and we have discovered Okay, stuff, Matt, is like gas. Follow me here. The stuff that you have will expand to fill the space that you have. Okay. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, we moved from an apartment into this house. And when we first moved, we thought to ourselves, oh my goodness, this house is so big, it's going to be like a, a cave. It's going to be cavernous. Or just all this because big it's be empty so space empty. with a couch sitting in the corner. Yeah, exactly. And then we moved in, and magically, we just acquired enough stuff to <laughs> fill it up. And so it's like the we're, bookshelf we're problem. Yeah, exactly. So we're trying to solve that problem, and we are we're getting rid of a bunch of stuff. And it's like, dude, I love, I love it. I love throwing things away. Not like, not objectively. You know what I'm saying? I don't just like look at something that's perfectly good and say like, I want to put that in the trash. It's just, it's delicious. It's like, it's purgative. It's fantastic. So, uh, yeah, so we're moving. People are going to come over actually after this to help us move or to pack rather. And then we're going to be moving into a new house. And then they're going to knock this house down, which is weird to think about, but they are. This house isn't going to be here anymore, but whatever. So that was a... Yeah, you'll be in a new house with more space to fill up with new junk right, that you will throw away later. more space to fill up with stuff. So, here, well, here, my goal is this, Matt, is, you, you know, you acquire stuff, right, inadvertently sometimes, and then sure. you purge it, but every time you purge, you get down, it's like a refining process. You get down to the really good stuff, and you're like, okay, this is the stuff we're going to keep. Like, this is the really cool stuff, whatever it is. And then you inadvertently acquire more so stuff. So eventually, and then you if you again. go through enough phases, you have cool stuff, and you got to enjoy throwing away trash that you didn't need. Right. Until, yeah, and then eventually your house is maybe full, but it's only full of cool stuff. And that is the, that's the goal, is to have a house full of cool stuff. So, throwing stuff aside, Matt, what is our fourth star of the week? Dave, our fourth star of the week is something that I uh, packed up and took from your house last week, uh, which is a big pile of comic books that I had lent to you and Beth. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was... I remember you and I... Oh, man, I had had this whole plan. Okay, because you and I love comic books. Uh, Your wife does not. And so I had this thought where I was going to... I was going to curate this reading experience for her and it was going to like highlight a bunch of great comic books that all sort of intersected and then it would give her a chance to see those things individually and then as a unit. Uh, But the problem is, despite the fact that I love these comic books, uh, centering all of that around all of the comic books that eventually run into the Mutant Massacre... While Maybe. amazing comic books is not a great like first step into the world of comics. In retrospect, that maybe was not because we talked about it. Like you and I had multiple extended discussions. Oh, we had plans about what was going to go because my wife loves to read. She's also she was an English major in college and she loves stories and stuff. But you and I had multiple extended discussions about like what's going to be in the. In the collection, how is this? In like thing the curriculum, yeah, right. And I'll tell you what it was, listeners. If if you want to experience this curriculum that we put together, it is it's good. Um, it's it starts off with the entire Walt Simonson run on Thor, which I have the giant hardcover of. Um, mm-hmm. which I don't, but I should get, and you also should. Not you, Matt. You, the audience, should also get. Oh, dude, it's tremendous. Um, so good. 
the and the hardcover is beautiful. It's a little weird because they recolored the whole thing, and I usually prefer the old coloring. But uh, the book is gorgeous. Yeah, they, no, they did a really they did a killer job. Um, it's also got the uh, the Louise and Walt Simonson X Factor. It's got um, New Mutants from the beginning, sort of up through maybe issue twenty five. I want to say. No, no, beyond 25. Uh, no, it's about the first 50 issues of The New Mutants, which is all of the, like, the Sienkiewicz stuff. It's all of, like, the Demon Bear. It's it's great. Uh, that old oh, New Mutant okay. stuff is gold. Oh, dude, it's so good. Um, it's got all the uh, uncanny X-Men leading up to, during, and then just beyond the Mutant Massacre, so you get the whole sort of picture of that. It's mm-hmm. got... Oh, and then I decided that I wanted to have some context for all these characters. So I also threw in the first essential volume of both the X-Men and Thor. So that if you were going to be reading the 80s versions of those things, you could go back and check on what the 60s versions were to begin with. I thought this was genius. And now that I'm oh, talking dude. about it out loud, I realize how like giant and unwieldy it was. <laughs> Listen, man, I also... Because, you know, as you know, I am a teacher and... I hear you because you have this idea and you're like, oh, I'm going to like, we're going to do like this and this and this and this and this. And like, it's all going to culminate in this like amazing experience. And then you'll just get it. And the kids look at you and they're like, I don't. I don't want to do even the first step of that. So I'm not going to yeah, get no, to the cool I'm, part. I'm good. Um, so anyway, but the upside of it is that <laughs> I am reading those books again now. And dude. <laughs> oh, because since you got them dude, back from me. 80s Marvel comics are the best. Like, I love comics so now. so good. But. Like, those, like, the books that were, okay, I don't know how much of this is a coincidence. Uh, the books that were coming out right around the time that I was being born are the best. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't think so. Because I think kids who were, like, growing up in the 90s and sort of were looking at that as their first comic books now look back and recognize that, like, eh, the 90s maybe were, eh. So it no, had I think the comics, in the 90s, I think but yeah, right. like those, like 1984 and the surrounding years, there were just so many good Marvel comics. Uh, and yeah. now I'm reading them again, and they're great. Yeah, no, dude, I, um, I actually have, Beth never, she read a little bit of them. Like, she tried. It's just not her, like, it's just not her thing. But while they were here, I did pull them out periodically and read them, and yeah, they're great. Okay, so... Enough about Walt Simonson's Thor, Dave. What is our fifth star of the week? So, Matt, our fifth star of the week is one of the reasons that I'm so rushed, actually, in all this packing and everything, is that I am going to Sweden. My Beth and I are going to go to Sweden. I've never been to Europe before. And we're going to Sweden to visit Mom and Dad. And I think you will actually... I will actually be in Sweden when... This episode airs. Yeah, we're trying to record. A I will have ahead been there for here. a few days. Yeah, so we're going to Sweden. I don't really have anything to say about it. We're just we're going to Sweden. I'm really excited. I've never been to Europe before. We're gonna fly over the ocean. Beth is terrified about that. She's not happy <laughs> about, about flying over the ocean, but it's gonna be cool. And then we're gonna be in Sweden, and we're gonna see. I don't know. We're gonna see Sweden. Like, I really, I'll probably have more to talk about. I was going to say, I'm sure that this is something that we will talk about in the next episode once we've gotten back. Yeah. But, yeah, so let's fist star, man. I'm going to Sweden. Rock on, dude. Well, I'm very excited for you. 
So, yeah, uh, those are our five stars of the week. We are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode 46 of Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. The heroes are stark naked, and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So, we've just finished watching episode 46 of Die Ranger, and Dave, what happened? Well, man, I think we could break this episode down into three stages. Okay, Stage one. Act one. Act one, the Rangers fight Shiryu, Lieutenant Shiryu of the Goma. Act two, the Rangers fight Doshikaku, or Goma Chief of Staff Kaku, as the case may be. Act three, the Rangers get wrecked. Yes, they do. And that's, I mean, that's basically what happens. Like, they fight Shiryu, they fight Kaku, and they just get annihilated. And there's a lot of angst in the middle. Oh, yeah, tons of angst, but... Okay, so let's just get into this. Yeah. This episode starts... You know how we have complained in the past that they just give you a brief episode recap when there's these carryovers, and then they just go straight into the episode from there? Yeah. This time, they don't even give us the courtesy (laughs) of a recap. It starts us, basically, if you took last week's episode and this week's episode and jammed them together, it is one seamless transition. It's like, it's, uh, it's the same scene, even. Like, they don't even, there's not even a cutaway and an intro. I think the show just opens with, like, somebody throwing a punch. Dude, it is even more extreme than that. It starts with Shiryu running at the Rangers. And then, I don't even have enough notes for it, because it happens so quickly. But he throws down an enlarging bomb, and then the Die Rangers summon Dyrano. And, like, yep. that's the, that is the first minute of this show. Yeah, man. They are just into it. Oh, wait a minute. So... Basically, the rangers are there. Ryu summon. It looks like he summons lightning, and yeah. then he hits him with fire. And the rangers, the rest of the rangers, are like, oh yeah, you got him. Then Shiryu drops this enlarging bomb and just starts attacking the city. Which like, is he's not weird. waiting for the rangers. He just pulls out his giant now giant sword and just starts chopping buildings up. Which, I don't know what, what his plan we've is. We've seen this guy of this guy in the last episode seems sort of surprising. It'll it actually it will get addressed in the next scene though. Yeah. So what happens is Shiryu attacks the city. The Rangers summon their Kaiden beasts. They form Dairano. They start to fight a little bit, and then something crazy happens. Shiryu, I actually had to kind of pause for a second and look back. Shiryu uses a Kiryoku wave. Which, if you don't remember, Goma generally use Yoriyoku, and the Dai Tribe and the Dai Rangers use Kiryoku. So, yeah, so basically, he's like an evil guy attacking with the light side of the force. Yeah, exactly. But he does attack them. And the Rangers are like, oh my gosh, what a crazy wave of Kiryoku, I guess. I'm not totally sure. Yeah, it's so like, well, now it's time to use our finisher. And so they start <laughs> to pull out their sword to do their crazy, like, lightning wave of the sword. But in the right. middle of that sequence, you see Doshikaku run onto a rooftop and shout, yeah. like, no, no, don't do it. Yeah, he actually, what's weird is that he doesn't address the rangers. He addresses their Kaiden beasts. It, yeah, he, said, really... he tells Dairano not to do it. That's right. That's their Dairano. And I was really hoping, we didn't get this, but we were, I was really hoping that somehow Doshikaku is going to, like, usurp control of Dairano. Like, he <laughs> that, has, like, a secret backdoor. nuts. Yeah, no, it would have been super crazy. Actually, this whole episode, let me just, Matt, let me just get it out, because it's, this whole episode has made me think of this. 
Remember Jade Empire? The yeah, I remember video, Jade the, Empire. Yeah. First of all, if anybody from Bioware is listening, where is my sequel to Jade Empire? That game was so rad. If you don't remember it, because it is like upwards of a decade old at this point. It's like a big uh, Bioware-style open-world RPG set in a sort of imperial China kind of setting. Like, there's a lot of kung fu and all this stuff. It's really, it's a great game. Mechanically, like, it had some problems. But it was a really, really cool game. But here's the whole deal, right? I don't feel like I'm spoiling this. What's up? Spoilers for Jade Empire. Spoilers for Jade Empire if you haven't played this decade-old game. So you... The main character, like, you have a teacher, and he, like, teaches you kung fu. He's, like, an old, wise man, right? And throughout the whole game, and this is, like, a big RPG, throughout the whole game, people comment, like, when you fight other people, they comment, they're like, oh, your style is really weird. It looks like there's some, the way you fight, it looks like there's a weakness in your style, like, it looks like there's something there to exploit, but then when I go and try to, like, get into this weakness to punch you, like, it doesn't work. And as you're playing the game, you're like, oh, wow, like, my teacher must have been super cool. He taught me this, like, confusing, like, a hypnotic style of kung fu where people think they can attack me, but they really can't, and you just ruin everyone, right? Surprise! At the end of the game, your teacher is actually the bad guy, and you go to fight him, and he just destroys you. And you as the player are like, how did he do this? I'm so good at Kung Fu. And he says, ah, when I taught you, I knew that I would have to beat you someday. And so I built this weakness into your Kung Fu style that only I know how to exploit. And so I keep expecting that from Doshikaku. Like, I keep waiting for him to kind of have, like, a secret technique that he hasn't taught them. He doesn't. No, because he doesn't need it. Because when it does come down to the time of the fight, he does not need to know some sort of secret technique to break their style because he is just like a million times stronger than all five of them put together. It just destroys them. So anyway. We will get to that. So we'll get to that. It's good. Uh, Also, Jade Empires. You should play Jade Empires. Anyways. So he yells to Dyrano, don't do the thing. The Rangers obviously don't listen. And they hit Lieutenant Shiryu with... I can I can never remember the name of their like big laser beam attack, but they hit him with the big laser beam attack, right? Right. He goes down. He kind of turns back into his human-sized and human form. Doshikaku runs over and like we can tell that he is upset. Oh yeah, cuz like his bro is being killed. Yeah. Um and so like, the first lieutenant says, like, I'm sorry, this is my fault. If it hadn't been for my incompetence, none of this would have happened. Kaku is sort of, like, holds him as he dies. And then when he dies, he, like, yeah, this is kind of turns weird. into a bunch of, like, sparkly, glittery bits that float up into the air. Yeah, it's very, it's not the death that you would expect for a tribe that is powered by hatred. But again... That might just be the jerk members of the Goma tribe. I don't know. So Kaku's there. Shiryu has just... I don't know. It looks like he joined... He became one with the Force. Is kind of what it looks like, honestly. That is exactly what it looks like. Yeah, he becomes... Okay, so Shiryu becomes one with the Force. So then the Die Rangers run up. And they're, they've are they transformed out of their, like, Die Ranger forms. Right. And uh, 
they're looking at this scene as it happens, and Kaku is like, "You fools! What have you done? I told you yeah. not to interfere." And the Rangers again are really surprised, but they say, "I forget who it is." They say, "Dude, he was rampaging. He was in like a berserk. He was just like destroying buildings." And Kaku brings up a very good point, which is because you attacked him. And so, yeah, so he had grown and was attacking buildings. And so here's what I get from this is that First Lieutenant Shiryu, like, he's not a bad guy. And all of, but all of the Goma have this, basically have like anger management issues. Yeah. And so, like, if he was just left alone, he wasn't going to do it. But once he got pushed over the edge, that's when he he just started destroying the city instead of just, like, defending himself from the Die Rangers. Yeah, he, like, berserker rages or something. So then, okay, so we get a little more backstory from Kaku at this point. Yeah, because they're asking, like, dude, what is the deal? Yeah, like, like wh- yeah, what is left, this whole You're wearing this red armor, you're hanging out with this Goma, what is happening? And this is the point where I remember that he hasn't actually told them yet that he is a Goma. Right, yeah, again, he hasn't told them, like, literally anything. So he says, I am a Goma. Surprise gasps from the Rangers... And then Kaku says, here's the deal. 6,000 years ago, the Rangers, or the Rangers, the Goma, were planning to invade. We don't know from where, but the Rangers are planning to, or the Rangers, the Goma are planning to invade. Kaku says, I didn't agree with it, so I closed my eyes, I left, and I joined the Dai Tribe, and I've been living with the Dai Tribe ever since. And even though I've been gone for 6,000 years, there are still some Goma that, like, agree with me or, like, were on my side or something. Right. And this dude was one of them, and now you killed him, you jerks. Right. Like, he was the best. He was a great guy. uh, And you guys killed him. Again, Kaku could have avoided this. Matt, I I think I was wrong (laughs) last episode. You're right. All of this could be avoided if Kaku had literally taken maybe, like, ten minutes and sat down with the rangers and said, like, guys, here's the deal. I am joining with the Goma because of X or Y and Z. Here's the plan. Blah, 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 blah. I'm still holding out hope that he has, like, a secret thing that he couldn't tell the rangers about. Well, I mean, the next episode is called At Last the Truth, so... Oh, well, okay, then. So let's let's hold off on that particular judgment until next week. But at least now, the, at least the Rangers' desire to have some information is uh, totally justified. And I think it's Kazu who says, "Just tell us why just, this is happening." Right. And Kaku responds, saying, "Like, no, I don't have to tell you. That information is unnecessary because at this point, the Die Rangers have disbanded. I already told you this. So get lost, kiddos." No, it's not just get lost. He says, oh, you've been disbanded, so give me your temporary jewels and aura changers. Oh, yeah, hand in your badge and gun. Right? Yeah, basically. It's like, give me your stuff. And the rangers, like, freak out. They're like, no, we don't. no, no, we can't do that. We of course refuse. we're not going to do this. And at this point, Ko and Cameo run up. At this point, I think for the rest of the series, whenever we see one or the other, it's always just Ko and Cameo running up together and, like, shouting about something. <laughs> Because if you remember last week, uh, Kaku took their Tempo Rai Rai jewels and took the Kiba Changer from Ko. And so he says, yes, I've taken them. I'm also taking yours. Um, You have until tomorrow at noon at, you know, such and such 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 a place. 
and, and that's then what like, you, you will. will have to give it to me, and yeah. then we'll you know go back to your lives, right? And then he just bugs out, like he teleports away. So we cut away from that rooftop down to Rin's place, and the Rangers are like hemming and hawing, and yeah, it's understandable. They're in a difficult spot. Yeah, when Shoji I said that there was furious. some angst going down, like, this is angst central. Dude, again, man, I, <laughs> I keep thinking that this show has gotten about as intense as it's going to get, and I keep being wrong. And you will continue to be wrong, let me tell well, you. Well, now at this, at this point, I, I have no established upper limit, right? Now I'm just like, okay, what, okay, I'm just, I'm on the roller coaster, I bought my ticket, we're going to do this. So, so they're in Rin's place, lots of angst, hemming and hawing, kind of, are we going to do this? Are we going to not? What's the deal? And, and so Daigo, basically, the, the, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, Daigo finally brings up the very reasonable point that if the Goma aren't attacking anymore, then they really don't need the aura changes and Tenpo Rai Rai Jewels. Which is an excellent point, but it is countered by... Shoji's excellent point, which is that they have no reason to trust that the uh, Goma are not going to break their promise. Uh, yeah, that is also very reasonable. So, and that's pretty much the argument they're having. They're going back and forth. Like, if we don't need them, then we can just give them back, and it's no problem. But, but we probably still need them, right? And then there's the whole issue of can we trust Doshikaku and? Ryo, by the way, we've been saying Ryu for 46 episodes, and I got a uh, Twitter message from uh, one of our listeners, and he said, guys, it's Ryo. It's not Ryu. It's Ryo. So I'm going to try to say it right for the next couple of episodes, and I'm sorry if I continue to say Ryu, because he's the Ryu Ranger. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. No, that's totally reasonable. I will probably not remember to do that. I think... I could be wrong about this. I think maybe like the translation or something changed because I feel like in the very early episodes it was translated Ryu. I'm probably wrong about that. It's possible. In the beginning, they were using a couple of different uh, translations depending on what was more convenient to get. Um, oh, that's right. Anyway, so Ryo says, "Listen, even if he's a Goma, even if he is doing this thing that he's not telling us about, he's right. still Doshikaku. He's still the guy who put us together." And I can't believe that he would be, like, totally betraying us. If this is what he says we should do, then this is what we should do. Yeah. So, Shoji... Well, he's, he doesn't have it. He doesn't want anything to do with it. Shoji says, like, no way. I don't. Like, I don't trust him. And we're not going to do this. And they have a little fight. Like, they kind of get up in each other's face. And then Rin interrupts, and she's like... You know, you, you guys got to stop. Shoji, and this is an interesting take on this, Shoji seems to think that maybe the whole thing was a trick. He's like, this was like a trick from the beginning or something. Yeah, like we have been tricked and betrayed, but in the way that he says it seems to imply that he thinks that the whole like previous yeah. 45 episodes and a movie were all just some sort of weird scam that Kaku was running. <laughs> I don't know where he... Which, I don't know. It's not an unreasonable thought. That could hey, definitely this be is, the this case. This is probably not the first time that Shoji has been scammed on something, so he's probably... <laughs> Shoji's probably a always a sucker for it. the long con. Uh, <laughs> dude, I love... 
we never talked about this before, and I don't, I have time in like my universe to do another podcast. But if there were enough heist movies, heist slash con movies to support a podcast, I would also do that podcast. Oh yeah, love, those are amazing, dude! I love heist movies, like The Sting. Dude, oh the my sting gosh, one of the Sting best is so good. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, that could be a whole different podcast. So I'm going to talk about that. None of those things, none of those long cons, no matter how complicated, involve giant robots and monsters from 6,000 years ago. <laughs> so this would be one <laughs> hell of a con. That would be, I need, I need the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup movie, Matt, that is the Sting meets <laughs> okay. I need the universe to make that happen for me. So we come okay. outside and Rio is just sort of staring at a garden yeah. Angstily. And that's a good way to say that. Yeah. So Rin is behind him. We don't know how long he or she have been there. And Ryu is understandably torn about this. I had actually totally forgotten. But Ryu's dad is also a traitor. Yeah. And so when they were saying, oh, Kaku has betrayed us, he's thinking, like, no, like my father was a traitor. And now I've got, like, this other, like, cool pseudo, like, father figure. Kind of dad. I can't believe that he is also a traitor. Yeah, Shoji's got a little more Shoji. Sorry, Ryo has a little more, like, skin in the game, I think. As Emotionally, far yeah. As, yeah. As far as, like, not being prepared to have Doshikaku kind of betray them. And I forget, wait. Ryo's dad was, he was originally a member of the Dai tribe. Yes. And then he joins the Goma, right? Correct. So he's like a reverse Kaku. Gotcha. So then we jump back inside. All right. Shoji. <laughs> this is great. So Shoji's facing the window. And he's not looking at anybody. And Kazu kind of looks over. He's like, Shoji, are you? Are you? Dude, are you crying? And Shoji pulls like the like the adolescent boy. Like, no, I'm not crying. Like very clearly crying. And simultaneously denying that he is crying. But he clearly feels this betrayal deeply. Very deeply. And what he (laughs) says, like, is that the reason he's crying, like, the reason he's feeling so conflicted about it is not just that he's angry, but it's that despite his anger and the fact that he doesn't trust Kaku, he really desperately wants to trust him. Yeah, yeah. And so, for Shoji, it seems, as with Ryu, which is maybe why they're such, you know, they're kind of butting heads about it, is that they're kind of experiencing this same conflict. That both of them want to believe Doshikaku, and they're just kind of coming down on different sides of it. So, we cut away there, we jump to the quarry, and presumably the next day, we see the rangers are there, we see Doshikaku kind of jumps down from a cliff or something. And the rangers, very reasonably, say, listen, Kaku, we're not here to, like, fight you. And they don't, like, say it, but I get the feeling that what they're trying to say is, like, and we are willing to do this thing, like, because you're Doshikaku and, like, we're the rangers and whatever. But... Maybe you could take like just five minutes and sort of explain what's going on. 
Yeah, and it sort of cuts to all of them, and they're saying, listen, please, just tell us. We want, like, come back to us. We want to be with you. We want to be your team. We want to trust you. We want to do what you're telling us to do. But just right. give me a reason why I should do this. Please. It's actually sort of like, I feel like it should be like blue lighting. They should be like standing in the rain. Like, I want to be with you. This seems like a thinking out of a Nicholas Sparks movie. It is very Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> but, you know, with Kung Fu. But with, yeah, right, but with Kung Fu and giant robots. I would probably watch Nicholas Sparks movies if there was Kung Fu and giant robots. Uh, so... Dave, I feel like at this point, I would watch most anything if they included a healthy dosage of Kung Fu and giant robots. <laughs> you know, Matt, you say at this point as though that were not always true. That's true. I mean, okay, would I watch A Birth of the Nation if they put giant robots in there? No. I mean, unless, like, giant robots were crushing the KKK, but... <laughs> are are in the fact, KKK in The Birth of a Nation? Dude, the birth... Dude, the birth of the nation is all about the KKK. I was, oh, you know what? I was thinking birth of the nation. I was thinking like this old uh, Lenny Riefenstahl, like Nazi propaganda movies. Oh, no, no, no. That's another, like. That's another something, something nation. Okay, right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would watch a movie where giant robots crush the KKK. I'd be fine with that. Anyway, where were we? (laughs) (laughs) So, they all ask some very reasonable questions. Kaku replies with, talk is futile, and then just attacks them. Yes. And this is when we start to get into the part of the episode where the Rangers try and fail very miserably to fight Kaku. Oh, yeah. It does not, like, from start to finish, just nothing. So Kaku runs toward them. He turns into, like, a red streak of energy and kind of explodes all over them. In a, you know what I'm saying? Like, he streaks around them, and then there's explosions, yeah. and then they fall over, and then he turns into a dude again, kind of facing away from them, and then they are just there, okay? Ryo gets up first, and he charges at Kakyo, um, but Kaku just turns around and, like, you know that sort of a zappy laser rope that they do sometimes? Yeah! Where they, like, they wrap them up in energy and then throw them around? He does that thing. Yeah. So the ranger, so he throws, Kaku does, he throws Ryo back at the ranger's... And then one of the rangers, I forget who, I think probably Shoji or Ryo, says, this is unforgivable. <laughs> and they pull out their aura changers. And I noticed something, Matt. We're 46 episodes in. I've never, there's never been like a close enough shot of the aura changer for me to notice this. The aura changers say aura changer on them in English. Oh, yeah, I, I'm sure they do. They, yeah, I had never noticed it before, but how the aura changers... Otherwise, how are you going to know what they are when you see them in the toy store? <laughs> but they're made by a Chinese guy for a Japanese team, and they say aura changer in English. Whatever. So anyways, so they all tension, and they start to fight. At this point, it's like a quick cutaway. The commanders, the Goma commanders arrive... To, like, watch the fight, I guess? I don't totally know. And they are having a great time. Like, yeah, they're finally, loving these this. idiots are all fighting each other. And also, Shadam, like, you should be doubly excited about this. Because if Kaku dies in this fight, then basically you have a clear line to become the next ruler of the Goma. Yeah, well, they don't even say next ruler. They just say you will really be in charge of the Goma. So, it seems like what you said last episode... 
was right, Matt, is that Kaku is the sort of, he's like the sort of real guy in charge. Like, Gomer the 15th is kind of nominally in charge, but Chief of Staff Kaku is really running the show. Right. So if he goes down, Shotham is is the dude. Okay. So then what we see, we jump back to the fight, and we see all of the rangers pulling out their special moves, except Kazu, to try and attack Doshikaku. And in every instance, Kaku, just like the fireball comes at him, he does some sort of chi reversal thing, and then the fireball flies back and hits Ryo in the face. Right. So, like, Ryo attacks him with fire, and then Ryo gets fire in the face. Now, it's understandable, like, Kazu, I don't know how Kazu would do, like, a time attack, so he just pulls out his die buster and tries to shoot Kaku. To and no Kaku just, real he effect, just vapes yeah. it. Yeah. Like, he raises his hand, and he, like, blocks the shot with his fist. Not his fist, like his palm. You know that so, bit in Empire Strikes Back, when they yeah. come in on, like, the room, and uh, Darth Vader is having dinner? Right. Which is weird, because I don't think Darth Vader actually eats food. Or at least not with his helmet on. Yeah. I think anyway. he just has, like, IVs or something. Anyways. So, yeah. So, the, like, Han Solo pulls out his blaster and he tries to shoot Vader and Vader just, like, palm blocks it. Kaku does that. Because this show is just Star Wars. Yeah. Anytime that they can throw in just a little bit of Star Wars flavor, they are not going to miss it. <laughs> so, uh, Shoji attacks with a gravity shot. Then he gets, like, shot with a gravity thing. And then... Daigo tries an illusion, and then he gets run over by an illusionary train. And I think Rin just throws, like, a whirlwind at him, and that doesn't work either. Yeah, and then he, like, blasts her with cheese. So, like, they right. all are doing very badly. Yeah, and Kaku actually says, like, did you, like, did you think those would work on me? The subjects being, I taught you that. Like, I taught you that move. Yeah, like, I am so much stronger than you. Like, there is, like, I'm, this is kind of a joke fight. Right. And so the Die Rangers then are like, okay, well, I guess we got to do it. Let's summon the bazooka. Oh, wait, real quick before that, Matt, Byako Shinken kind of flies out of nowhere and, like, launches himself at, at Kaku, and Goshikaku just, like, energy bolts him. Yeah, it just explodes. I mean, he doesn't, like, blow into pieces, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So all other options being used up they say okay well now we need to do our finisher move we're gonna summon the bazooka let's do it like i'm sorry kaku we didn't want it to come to this but yeah. it's bazooka time right they're like apologetic the whole way through <laughs> but they summon the kiryoku bazooka and like they do the whole thing so they blast doshikaku with the kiryoku bazooka and the this time players... he doesn't just like wave it off like he gets hit by it he flies back Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he on the goes, ground. he's on the ground, the smoke clears, the rangers look over at him, and they're like, oh, Dr. Shikaku, like, we're so sorry it had to come to this, and we didn't want to do this, and this isn't how we wanted it to be, and, like, we love you, and blah, 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 right? And then, Kaku just gets up, brushes himself off, and it's like, <laughs> did you guys think that you beat me? Like, did you really think, like, he's not even sweating. I don't think he's even dirty. Yeah. Like, there's not, he was lying on the ground. There's not even dirt on his face. He, like, Yoriyoku cleans himself. <laughs> looks, guy looks pristine. And he just says, yeah, did you really think that that beat me? Then we find out what the deal was with the Kiryoku and Yoriyoku antenna. Yeah. Because he says, yeah, I don't know why I forget what he says, 
But he says something to the effect of like Kiryoku, Yoriyoku, die something something something, something record, yeah. And but so he like supercharges. Yeah, he summons energy from the two antenna that like they fly up from right. the two antenna, they meet in the air to create like this giant chi lightning bolt that it, strikes Kaku, supercharging him. Right. And then he unleashes an attack. It's just, like he doesn't even attack the Rangers. He just kind of attacks the whole quarry in like coruscating bolts of energy that are like flying out of his body. Like yeah, there's, there's an like, earthquake, there's earth- lightning everywhere. There's explosions. Yeah, he j- <laughs> he just, he drops like a nuclear Kiryoku bomb, right? In my notes, I just have, he draws power from the antennae, and now everything is exploding. <laughs> yeah, no, that's accurate. He draws power from the antenna, and everything is like, antennae, it's plural, right? And everything explodes. So we get a quick cutaway to the three Goma commanders, who now that they realize Kaku is not losing this fight, are sort of annoyed, and they just sort of stomp off. Right. <laughs> like, really like, ah, forget this. And they, they, they leave. So the rangers have been blown all to heck. They are right. out of their Die Ranger costumes. They're just singed and bloody and lying on the ground. Ryo gets up. And no longer able to charge at Kaku, just sort of stumbles towards him, you know, with purpose and meaning and anger and questions in his eyes. And he finally gets over to Kaku and he, like, clutches his armor to hold himself up and is saying, Kaku, why? And the only answer he gets is that Kaku just punches him in the stomach and leaves. Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) Kaku just sucker punches him. And that's it. Well, he actually, he doesn't leave. What we see is Ryu hits the ground. And then it's kind of a weird cut, actually. Because it it cuts to just like a puddle, like a pond or something. And we just see something kind of dropping in. And we just see that for like five seconds. And then it pulls away. And we see what it is, is that all the rangers are just lying there. And Cameo is throwing rocks into a puddle. Yeah, he's just waiting for them to wake up, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So, Cameo and Co. are just waiting for the other rangers to wake up. Ryu is like, kind of the first one to wake up, but then they all sort of come to. And Ko says, like, Ryu, Ryo, sorry. Ko says, Ryo, like, oh no, I can't believe this. Kaku took your Tenpo Rai Rai jewels and your aura changers. And so like, then all of the rangers... They get up and they're, you know, they're feeling for their wrists where their aura changers ought to be and going through their pockets to try to find their Tempo Rai Rai balls. And of course, they are not there. Yeah, they're gone. And they're furious. And that's kind of the end of the episode. We get a voiceover saying, you know, what is Kaku's mysterious plan? The Dai Rangers can never transform or summon the Kaiden beasts again because they don't have their stuff. Yeah, we tune in. Yeah, next we don't week. know. But I'm excited to find out. And that is it. Yeah, so, that's it. Dave, episode being concluded, what is your <laughs> high point of the week? Oh, man. I am going to go with not that Kaku defeats the Rangers so easily, although that was fun. It's his commentary while he's doing it. That, I think, is the best moment in this episode. Did you think that that was going to beat me? What? What do you think? That's not going to work on me. Like, <laughs> you think I'm some great. sort of jerk? You think I'm some chump that you can just hit with a bazooka? Right. Who do you think I am? I'm Doshikaku. I literally taught you everything you know. 
So yeah, that's definitely my high point. And what about your low point? Uh, low point? Um, I don't know. If I had to pick one, I might say... You do. That is the contract we've entered into. <laughs> okay, I would say uh, just Kaku's continual refusal to share any information with his protégés. I think it's... Guys, come on. Maybe you could tell them. Literally anything. Just something. Just give just them my something. Hint. Leave them give a them, note. Give them like just a tidbit. But anyway, whatever. Yeah, no, How that, is, you, that is infuriating. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, high point. High point for you. I think my high point in this episode, among other things, um, but one of my high points is that this episode starts with a giant robot fight in the first minute of the show, and I just love that they have given up on trying to explain what is going on. Like, if you haven't been watching for the last while, then, sorry, this is just what's happening. Maybe <laughs> this isn't for runs. you. This isn't for you. You need to start You need to start at the beginning. Get yourself right. Uh, how about a low point, Matt? Um, the low point? Honestly, the, only, the low point I had was the same one that you had. That they just, you know, just no communication at all. And maybe next week, I've kind of forgotten what the next episode is about. Uh, from the last time I watched the show, so maybe it all does get explained and there's a very good reason why he hasn't been telling anyone. Dude, who knows? But as a watcher, it's kind of frustrating. Ooh, uh, actually, you can use that. I will change my low point to the death of, of Lieutenant Shiryu. That oh, guy was totally yeah. cool. He was a cool dude. And he died needlessly, so that was lame. So that's my, that's my low point. You can have Kaku's uh, continued refusal to communicate anything to his most trusted friends and protégés. Yep, that is going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die, Ranger. Yeah, uh, thanks for joining us. Before we finish up here, I would just like to remind you all, you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or talk to us on Twitter, we are at supersentaibros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help people find the show. Um, especially, hey, I mean, we're almost done with this season, so... We are. If you want to... Checkman, if you want to share it with your friends, I feel like now is a good time because there's yeah. a, almost a full thing and Jetman coming up. So, uh, do that, please. Do it. Anyway, the Super Sentai Brothers is a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. <laughs> Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>